0: in this episode i will do the best i can to answer the question what do you do when working with children when their parent or parents are not very supportive my name is justin sinceri i'm a licensed marriage and family therapist welcome to stuck not broken this is a question i don't think applies only to therapists hopefully that sentence made sense if you're a teacher if you're a therapist or a social worker, if you're working with kids, this might hit home for you. And quite honestly, I am open to your thoughts on this. I will share mine. I don't think this is a complete answer. This is a very difficult uh, question. And this comes to us from Natasha. So, well, let's, let's we'll get to what Natasha says. She says, hello, Justin. I just wondered if you had any advice about Working with children where their parent isn't very supportive, making hope of change harder. I've seen much change in many children, but it's harder when the parents almost undo the work at home. I try to advise parents as much as I can, but many aren't very self-aware and are solely focused on the child's behavior with no interest in how their own behavior affects the child. I heard on your wonderful podcast... Oh, thank you. I heard on your wonderful podcast that this is a challenge you also face at times and wondered how you overcome it. Thank you so much, Natasha. Yes, it is something that comes up a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And I I honestly... Let's let's all take a deep breath here. I don't know if I have the answer. I I think all of us in in doing work with... um, kids that don't have the kind of support at home that we hope, I think we—I we, think each of us probably has pieces of an answer, a really wonderful answer. I don't know if any of us have the answer. I think there's uh, probably many different levels to this. There's probably systemic levels. There's probably levels on the therapist side, on the, on the teacher side if you work in the schools. I mean, anyone who, who, any individual or any system that comes into contact with a kid probably has some answer, right? But what I'm going to address is for as a therapist and, and what that might look like. So first, just right off the bat, yes, this is difficult. I'm with you, Natasha, 100%. I can absolutely validate where you're coming from. It is frustrating. It is downright defeating at times, but it is the reality of their life, and that's where we have to start. And it might not be to change the parent. But to, to help that child make change for themselves. Now, the, the age of the child is going to be a big part of this. I work with teenagers. Uh, I was working with younger kids. I kinda, I've worked with younger kids a lot uh, since I've worked with a school district that I'm in right now. Um, I mostly work with high schoolers. And at this point, I'm only with high schoolers. Teenagers have more opportunities to make change. They have more self-awareness. Their developmental stage in life is supposed to be to individuate from their parents, so that's on their side. They're not as dependent on the parent for self-identity, for meaning, for basic functioning. That makes things a tad easier. Easier is not the right word, but it makes it more practical, I guess. The younger they are, yeah, it's a heck of a lot harder. So I'm going to come from, just, I guess, just understand that about me and what I can bring to the conversation here is that I work with most of the high schoolers. and Maybe I should address this. Um, I've done tons of family therapy with younger kids and their their parents. I've done years and years and years of parenting groups. So maybe I can address that as well for, for younger kids. But um, just for the high school side, the teenage, the adolescent aspect of things, this is simply the, the reality of their life. And I think on our end of things, that's where they're at and that's where we have to be as well. And of course we wanna influence the parent and do the best we can and reach out to them, provide resources and offer as much as we possibly, of course. But yeah, there, there's been parents I've worked with or tried to work with where it, it just doesn't go anywhere. And, and like simply getting a hold of parents that sometimes is a huge challenge. So this might just be where to start. That doesn't mean we give up. I'm not saying that at all. But the reality is if I'm working with a kid one-on-one, that that's our starting point. We have to validate the heck out of that. If that's what they're bringing to the table, if that's what they're telling us and our experience, then yes, like we're validating that, that. That that does make making change in their life a heck of a lot difficult. And they, they might not have the support that they need. So we're going to validate that. But then that, what that forces us to do is to really focus on in, in, in therapy to work with them on their ability to make different choices on their own. And this is part of individuation. There, we're, so we really have to focus on the ability to choose. If you can't rely on your parents to get you to school, what's the backup plan? What, what, and of course we help them with that. But what's the backup plan? If you cannot rely on your parents for emotional support, what's the back, what, what can you choose to to do about that? What options do you have? What What options can we add as well? But what options do you have at hand that you can choose to make use of? The lack of support from a parent is a huge obstacle, and I'm not minimizing that whatsoever, but it's also, this is what we're working with. That's simply the reality of the situation. What power do you have within you to make a different choice? And then how can we support that? How can what, Where can we get co-regulation from? Where can we get practical resources from? But I think choice is a huge piece of the puzzle of making and sustaining change. So we got to validate the heck out of them. And I think vo- focusing on change is a big one. And then helping build a new safety system is is going to be a big piece of that, new co-regulation resources. And when the, what that looks like with students I work with, high schoolers, is your, your parent is not the co-regulator you need. And I work with kids who come from very difficult homes, let's put it that way, very, very difficult homes. And they simply do not, and probably will not in the near future, have what they need from their parent. That's just the reality of it. What do you have in your life And I asked them, like, who do you feel safe with? Who do you feel trust with? Is there anybody in your life that you feel some safety with? And most of the time they can identify a teacher or a campus security monitor or a principal. They can identify somebody in their life where it's like, yeah, I actually feel feel okay with this person. And maybe I can even talk to this person or just chit chat with them. But I can get some sort of adult, like, support from this person. Or me as a therapist, I might be it for now and we work you know, we work on that. So building up that safety system, like the literal co-regulative safety system around them, I think is a big deal. And there's teachers have a huge impact on kids. And can be and can be can be that. Coaches can be that. Even those little interactions, those little co regulative interactions throughout the week can go a long way. So there, we have to build up the safety system with them. And sometimes I'll go with that student. I, what I've done is I've gone with that student and I've talked to that teacher and we we say, hey, like, you're the safest person in their life. Is it okay if they just check in with you? Or if the student doesn't want to do that, what I'll say is it okay if I go talk to that teacher or that principal or whoever and let them know, like, look, this is where the student is at, is at. And they might come to you just for some support. Are you, are you okay with that? And they're always okay with that. So we we make it work. But on top of that, when it comes down to it, it is their life. And they have the ability to make different choices. We can't blame everything on parents, ultimately. At some point, they're going to be an adult and blaming things on their parents is not going to go very far, even if it's true. and And I know I'm probably sounding insensitive, but when you're working with children and these teens in this situation, that's kind of the reality of the situation is once you're 18 saying I can't get to school because my parents, it doesn't go very far or saying that my parents won't do this or that doesn't go very far. You have the capacity to make a new choice. You can choose to not use drugs. You can choose to not go out at night. Like you just can't, you can choose to not rob a car. Like you just can't or not rob a person. I'm sorry. Or to go joyriding. These are choices that you don't need your parent to ideally you have your parent stepping in. Ideally you have your parent teaching you values and whatnot and enforcing values. Even if you don't, this is a choice you cannot make the next time. You have the ability to do that. So flat out making that statement and talking having a discussion about like can you make can you choose to not get high after school today? Yeah, of course you can. The power to make a different choice, I think, is very dif- uh, very important. I think developing the mindset uh, or the awareness of a different life is, is important. I think l- realizing that they have positivity within themselves is important and, and building on that. If they can feel good about themselves, they can start to expect better of themselves. I think that those kind of go hand in hand if they have the feelings of ventral vagal safety, then getting high might not be as attractive. So I think helping them feel that ventral vagal safety is important, even if it doesn't last a whole, even if it doesn't last when they get home, if they can still feel it in session, I think it's really important. I think it's extremely important. But it's like, these are the parameters of your life. This, like, you're telling me that you don't get these things from your parents. This is the, these are the boundaries of your life. This is the, the bumper lanes that we have to work within. So, what within those bumper lanes, what do you have power over? What do you have control and choice over? And getting high with your friends after school or ditching school and going, going out and getting high might feel better than sitting in school and being bored out of your mind and probably hating it. So I can validate that, but you also want to graduate. You also do want to move out of your house. I know that. We've talked about that. You do want to have healthy friendships and relationships. So ditching school, how does that help you meet your goals? If not, okay, well, so do you have the power to choose to stay in school today? Yeah, you do. Or to come into school tomorrow? Yeah. A lot of times you can. If not, we can set up bus passes. Can you get up on time? Can you set an alarm? Yeah, you can. You, these are things you can do. And if it sounds like I'm minimizing the issue, a lot of times that's, these are pieces that are missing. So does it solve the problem of parents and support? No. But I think building up this person's belief in themselves to make a new choice and to envision a better life, I think that helps. So I really focus on there is potential within your life to make a different choice. And I validate everything that they go through. It is real. I don't take that. I don't minimize that. I don't take it away from them. It is real, but it is the boundaries of your life. It is the the bumper lanes of your life that we have to work within. We don't control others, and that includes our parents. Not just us, but the, the kids. we talk about kids. They don't control their parents. They don't control anybody else no one does it's like how do you work within that boundary and, and with teenagers we look we can look at what do you have control over what do you have power over and that you can make your own choice you are responsible for your choices this is your life and no one else's you know so when you're in school do you have the power to pay attention more yeah, you do. And that might require some grounding and we can work on all that stuff. But the bigger picture, yeah, you do have control or do you, you do have power over how you behave, the choices that you make. I know you're thinking it's not that simple, Justin. I know, I get that. But first we have to look at, before we even start attempting to fix the problem, to address the behavioral problem that they're having or the, the choices they're making, do you believe that you have the power to make different choices? Do you believe that there might be a better life for you in the future? If the answer is no, it makes it a lot harder, but that, that's what we have to work on. If you don't think you can do any better, we we have to talk about that. If you don't think life can get better for you, we have to talk about that. If you don't think you have agency or the ability to make different choices, that's—that we have to talk about that. Because We don't control other people's. We, ultimately, we control ourselves. Ultimately, we, we make our own choices and we are responsible for those choices. Even if we didn't have the best upbringing, even if we had downright crummy upbringing, when it comes down to it day to day, we are responsible for our own choices. And for teens, this is completely developmentally appropriate. They should be individuating, they should be looking to themselves as an individual who is distinct from their family of origin. That doesn't mean they abandon their family of origin. I'm not saying that, but it does mean that we're going to work to create healthier boundaries, but we're also going to work on your power to choose. It's completely development appropriate. Otherwise, yeah, we're going to do things like try and connect with the parent. We're going to invite them to parenting groups. We're going to share resources with them. We might be setting them up with practical resources like transportation. Uh, nowadays, everything's online. We can give them uh, resources that are in digital form, if if they if they can accept those. Parents can absolutely be connected with, and this 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 I guess this brings us back to, no matter what age the child is, if you can connect with the parent, like if you can get them on the phone or in person, they can definitely be connected with. They do love their kids, every single one of them whether they act on it, whether it looks like a, uh, you know, from the outside looking in, I know hundred percent. They do love their kids. I, I've done parenting groups where I've heard parents say they hate their kids. Like I had, I remember one where a parent in this group said, I hate my child. I hate them. And, and every parent in the room knew what they meant. They, they knew that it came from a place of anger and frustration and desperation So we all knew what the words were, but we also knew that, no, they didn't mean it. And by the end of that parenting group, they said, no, I don't hate my kids. I love them. I love them tremendously. So no matter what, the parents do love their kids. It is in there. They do want the best for them. It it is very difficult. It it can be very difficult to, to connect with parents, some parents. It can be very difficult to connect kids and that parent. But it is doable, especially if they show up. Especially if they're at least a little bit involved and are, are connecting with you. If they, like, I used to work in outpatient county mental health, and the parents would bring the kids to the session. So I'm like, they're here. I, I have them here. I can do, I can work some wonders here. Just get them in the, now, if I get them from the lobby to the to the, to the therapy room, I can do wonders. And it it worked. It worked consistently, my, my best predictor of success for the child was always the engagement of the parent was family therapy I used to take like I used to do my own stats and data tracking. Family therapy was a greater predictor of success versus things like uh, modality or psychiatric medication or other resources. Family therapy was consistently the biggest predictor of success for for me. So, like, having them in the waiting room, having them be willing to come into the therapy session and be a part of it, change happened. But that there was, like, a willingness there. There was at least least a curiosity there. But that, like, that was... Just being present is huge. The, The parents that you can't get a hold of, the parents that you can get a hold of and won't engage, yeah, things get a hell of a lot harder, yeah. But if they're there... It's doable, and you can do something really simple. Like I used to open up sessions and say, tell me three positive things about your kid. And most of the time, it activated their, their ventral vagal system. They, they smiled, and they'd say, oh, this, 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 and this. And the kids, no matter what their age was, they ate it up. They would look at their parent in the eye and just soak it up like a sponge. And we were off. Like Once we started that process, we were off. For the parents that couldn't and there was definitely parents that were like maybe they could think of one or they came up empty like i can't think of anything the kid already knows that the kid's already not getting that positivity so to see their parent come up empty was validation because it was like now okay it's real now someone sees that my parent can't think of anything positive for, uh, about me and so when i asked the kid what's three positive things about your parents and they would they would struggle as well but they could Usually, come up with three positive things about their parents. And then I'd go back to the parent and say, what's three positive things about your kids? And by then, they, they could do it. Or sometimes I'd help them. And I would, I would use, like I've been in the room for five minutes with you and your kid. I see them looking at you in the eye. I see them soaking up what you have to say. I see them interested. I see them sitting there politely. I see them coming here to therapy and not refusing. <laughs> so here's some pauses. Bam, 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 bam and then invite them to try it, and they, they would get into it. The only times were, were that the three things question. I don't think it ever failed. What would happen is that if the parent came up empty, the kid already knew that. They already felt it. So it was just, it was open validation of it. And then I could help the parent and coach them into uh, identifying three positive things. But, or or what I would say is, okay, so it's it's difficult to, To identify these three things, tell me how much you love your kid. Like, just how much do you love this child that we see here, right? You know, in the room with us right now? Like, how much do you love this kid? And that was always 100% like, oh, God, I love him a lot. I love him this much. I love him that much. Or what's the happiest memory you have with your child? And they'd be able to identify something. Just simple interventions like that can get the ball rolling. So even if they're a parent that, is is not as supportive as we would like them to be. Not as much of a co-regular as we'd like them to be or hope them to be. If they're in the room and you can get the ball rolling with simple things like that, I, change happens. The kids absolutely soak it up. They every single one, no matter what age, they loved it and what I would do what I would do was when I'd see the kids with their eyes wide open, looking at their parent soaking it up, I would tell a parent, like, look, look at your child right now. They love what you're doing. Do you see, like, do you see this in the moment right now? Do you see how much they're taking this in? How much of an impact you have on them? And they would say, yeah, I I see it. Things like that, just simple interventions, things like that can help to shape a new relationship, really. There's other things that I would do when it comes to parents and kids that are constantly bickering or or arguing. I, I shared one in a previous episode about, like, look, do you guys love each other or not? And just like getting to the point and, and not worrying about the bickering, I would do this. I don't do as much family therapy, as I used to, just because the school system's different. The kids are there during school time. Parents might be at work. Uh, in the outpatient setting, the parent brought them there, so I, I always had them there. But the other thing that I would do a lot with family therapy was when I saw those patterns, those. Like, you just know that they've had this conversation before. So when I would see parents and kids go do the back and forth thing, what I would do is I'd say, like, stop, stop, stop. And I would ask the kid, what's your parent about to say? And they always knew. (laughs) They they always knew the next thing the parent would say because they've heard it before. It's a conversation they've had numerous times. And so I would say, parent, it's your job to listen. Child, what's your parent about to say? And they would go, oh, they'd roll their eyes and say, I'm a this and this is that and I didn't do this thing right. And I would ask the parent, did they get it right? And they go, yeah, they did. And so I'm like, okay, so they already know. Let's switch it up. Let's give them, let's do something different. We have to do something different right now. We have to do something different. Interrupting those, interrupting those routine arguments or patterned defensive responses they give to each other, interrupting those and asking them to do the opposite or do something different or to listen to each other's feelings better just interrupting those things would help a lot as well so focusing on the positive uh interrupting the process asking about um you know positives like memories positive things all of these things they don't fix the entire problem but they get the ball rolling and then once the ball's rolling then it's like a snowball downhill you just you build it up you know. so it it is absolutely possible to help parents and kids get to where they need to be to assist parents in becoming more supportive than they were previously. But if we don't have that, and there are definitely situations where we don't have that, like that's just the reality of it. And and we work with a kid and we say, okay, this is the reality of your life. These are the boundaries that you're working within. What's the best that you can do? How much choice and agency do you have over your day-to-day life? How much choice do you have in getting to school and in functioning in school? in uh, what you do with with your free time. If we can't rely on the people that we should be relying on in your life right now, at this point in your life, if we don't have those supports, like what's the best that you can do? And there's always room for improvement, 100%, always room for improvement. And I honestly, I found within the uh, school district that I work in, staff are willing to work with these kids. Like, They want these kids to succeed. They will work with them as best they can. And I see staff go above and beyond. Above and beyond. So, you know, I I work with kids that that don't get regular meals at home. So come to school. School has meals for you. But it is the reality of a lot of these kids' lives. And that's who I work with. At least in the school district. I also have my private practice, which I do at nighttime a couple nights a week. But uh, my career, my main nine-to-five thing is for a public school district. And that's a lot of who we see is, is, is uh, impoverished inner-city kids and families. And this is a regular dynamic that, that we see. So it's difficult, but it is, it is doable. It, there, are, there are possibilities for improvement. And if you work with the older kids... A lot of it just comes down to like, this is the reality. What can we do about it? What can you do about it? But also how can we support you in this? So Natasha, thank you for the question. This, you asked me this months and months ago. I've, I've got a lot of questions and um, this was one that I always wanted to return to. So thank you for asking this and for being patient. Um, I hope that it was helpful. It's one of those ones where I don't. there's not a clear answer and people listening to this who can relate probably have pieces that they think they find helpful as well so th- this was just my thoughts on the situation and how I approach these things a lot of times I hope you enjoyed this dear listener I hope you got something out of it if you have something that you do when working with these these situations these families that you think would be helpful for the listeners feel free to email me justinlmft at gmail.com. I'd love to hear what you do to help out. And I may share it with uh, listeners here. And if you must have even more content, I have a whole separate podcast through my Patreon. It's only $5 a month. And you get hours and hours and hours of more content, more audio content. Thanks for listening. Bye.